Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. I'm Sally Gentry. And, and we, how are you? Oh, hey, I'm good. How are great. you? I'm doing pretty well. How I'm are Joey. you out there? How about Fantastic. <laughs> it's so good Busy, to see y'all. Busy, great month. Yes, National great. Donate Life Month. Yes. We have all been together. We've been out in the community, and I think... It has been making a difference, increasing that donor registry, increasing awareness for donation. And that's what we hope you help us with. Look at all the folks that are coming out and supporting donation. Some we haven't seen in who knows how long. And and they want to help and spread the word. How great is that? Yeah. And some that we've never seen before. New partners, new friends. And now they're on our team. And you can, too. You can share this podcast. Let me tell you what's coming up on this episode. We're talking about the HOPE Act. What is it, guys? It's great because it's helping to save more lives. We're going to tell you all about it right here on The Gifted Life. And then, Lori, what does an all-time great LSU Tiger, two-time Super Bowl champion, have in common with organ donation? You'll find out. Well, I kind of know a little bit. He's a looker, so (laughs) you're going to want to stay tuned to hear all about this, right? Well, he had to be. Absolutely. (laughs) And always, we'll honor a hero. Yes, all coming up right here on the Gifted Life podcast. And we hope that you share what you hear here. We hope that you go out and you make a difference Um, when it comes to donations, saving more lives. We try to make it as easy as possible. Absolutely. You can find us on any of your favorite podcast apps. And listen, we're out there on social media. You can tag us, Donate Life Louisiana. That's where we're on Facebook. If you're um, on Twitter, Instagram, we're at Donate Life LA. One stop shop there. And what we talk about here in the podcast, you can see in pictures there on social media. And you can always reach us at 504 648 3477. I'm singing and it in my head. And remember, Yay. when you sign up to get your driver's license or renew it, make sure you get a heart on it too. Yes, especially this month. That's what we're trying to push. Absolutely. We're trying to increase that registry, save more lives, make life happen. You can be our partner in that and you can start now. All right, guys, hang on to your hats. Ready for another episode? Let's do it. Here we go. At the top of the Gifted Life podcast, guys, we talked about the HOPE Act. Right now, we're going to talk about implementing the HOPE Act, what's behind it, and where we're moving forward. We're actually bringing in an expert. Yes, we are, Laurie. When the HOPE Act was signed in 2013, we didn't exactly have an I dream a genie that can just snap and and have everything just implemented. Fortunately for us, we've got Dr. Christine Duran, who is one of the co-leads in the study, basically the implementation of the HOPE Act, on the line with us. Hey, Doc. How are you? Hi, how are you? It's a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you for coming on. I've been, of course, reading up on the HOPE Act, you know, for the last few years, being the chief clinical officer at LOPA, trying to figure out how we're going to implement it ourselves. And I wonder what got you interested in helping out with the project? So I am an infectious diseases doctor at Hopkins, and my specialty has always been HIV infection as well as transplant infection. 
Um, so I take care of persons living with HIV who need a transplant. And as many of us in the field, we're always looking for ways to do more life-saving transplants. And with the advent of the HOPE Act, it opened up a whole new possibility for organ transplant donors. So I started working with Dr. Segev here at Hopkins to put HOPE into action, so to speak. I failed to mention HOPE Act. It's something that we're familiar with in the organ recovery world, but it stands for HIV Organ Policy Equity Act. So that was implemented in 2013, and can't remember exactly what was the previous act that it overturned? So the previous act was the part of the National Organ Transplant Act of 1988, and this was a section that was put in at the height of the AIDS scare, and it required us to avoid acquiring any organs from individuals that were known or suspected to be HIV-infected. Right, and of course, you know, back then... HIV, quite frankly, was almost a, it was a death sentence, you know, in, in the late 80s and especially in 1988 and throughout the years has become somewhat of just another comorbidity. We're having people live the same basic time frame as they would have. So full disclosure, I saw you speak in February at an AOPO, an Association for Organ Procurement Organization meeting. And one of the things that struck me is you said you would basically compare it kind of to like diabetes and high blood pressure and things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have come such a long way. It's been really a a triumph of modern medicine that we've turned HIV, which was, as you said, a death sentence to a manageable chronic disease. And in fact, if you got diagnosed today and got started on meds quickly, you certainly would die of some other cause of death. I often say if it weren't for the stigma, you would choose HIV over diabetes because the medications for HIV are so good. So we've come a long way. We still have a way to go, particularly in the area of stigma, but it's certainly not the death sentence it was, which is why the HOPE Act makes so much sense and really reverses what was an antiquated law, I think. Dr. Durant, I'm wondering when you are working with your patients Are their families aware that they are HIV positive? And if so, could you perhaps give us some ideas or hints on how we could handle informing families of this situation? Yes, that's a great, great question. As you can imagine, the decision to tell someone about your HIV status is a very personal one. I have patients that are very comfortable with it, that have told all of their loved ones, friends, family. But on the other hand, there are patients who have not disclosed their status for a variety of reasons. Uh When it comes to this situation where, you know, there's an opportunity for someone to pass on the gift of life, and you might be in a position where you're potentially telling a family member who didn't know, a lot of things might come up. And I think it's totally normal for there to be scenarios where a family member doesn't know, and when they find out, you know, they could have a lot of different reactions to that. And of course, you guys have been working hard and diligently ensuring that all of the largest barriers are crossed. What would you say the biggest hurdles that you faced early on in the implementation were? So a lot of hurdles. There have been a lot of milestones, and I think we're continuing to encounter new ones every day. Just kind of going back to the beginning. So as you mentioned, the HOPE Act was passed in 2013, and here we are in 2017, so what's happened in between? The HOPE Act itself required three big things to happen. The first was they had to reverse the ban, um, the federal law. 
And that took two years to happen. So it wasn't until mid-2015 that that federal ban got reversed on the books. Then the HOPE Act allows these transplants, but it only allows them under research studies. So the second thing that had to happen was they actually published research study guidelines or criteria. Those were developed by the NIH, the FDA, the CDC, even the public had an opportunity to comment on those guidelines. So that also took several years, and those guidelines didn't come out till November 2015. And then the Organ Procurement and Transplantation Network had to change all of their policies. So you can imagine it's no simple feat to go from taking every precaution to avoid using organs from donors with HIV to a now, to now putting into place new policies that allowed these organs to be used. So all of that took some time as well. So it really wasn't until the end of 2015 that all those parts were in place. And in 2016, we opened our first study. So that took quite a bit of time. So I assume you're working with a team. And when you talk about transplanting organs, the articles that I read, it was mostly kidneys and just recently a a liver. So I guess tell us about that research and what you guys have been doing. Yes. So it is quite a large team, and the team includes transplant surgeons, liver doctors, kidney doctors, infectious disease doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, HIV viral experts. You can imagine the whole gamut of clinical care folks. And then obviously partners also on the organ procurement organization side. As far as organ types, we are doing both liver and kidneys currently, and in the first year, we did both livers and kidneys. The first HOPE transplants happened in March of 2016, and that was a donor who donated both a liver and a kidney. So first in U.S., HIV to HIV, liver and kidney happened back in March. Amazing. And now, how many HIV to HIV positive donors have we had in 2016? The first year, there have been a total of 11 HOPE donors, and that has led to a total of 26 transplants. These are a mix of kidney and liver transplants. And every month we're seeing more transplants happen. At this stage, we're working on the implementation side with putting into place policies and protocols on the ground at organ procurement organizations so that teams can be ready and educated to evaluate these donors. So we expect the numbers to continue to climb. When we started in 2016, Hopkins was the first center to be active. Today, there are 18 transplant centers that are active with HOPE protocols. It must be so satisfying to you and your team to see what you're able to do to help folks that in the past would have just never had a chance. It must be so gratifying. Yeah, absolutely. The first kidney recipient in the U.S. was a patient of mine, and she Ah. had been waiting for more than five years on the wait list. She was listed at multiple centers, so it was just an absolute, you know, personal joy to see her able to get off dialysis, get a transplant, and I can tell you she's doing fantastic. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, Doc, I'm kind of in charge of changing, modifying policies for LOPA in Louisiana, and in doing so, I've been doing some research, and I saw that South Africa was actually has been doing it for quite some time. And I was wondering, are there things that you're able to take from them 
you know, from a medication standpoint or, you know, or anything else that helped kind of the implementation go a little quicker here? Absolutely. So we are indebted to Dr. Elmi Mueller, who's the transplant surgeon in South Africa. She's really been a hero and a pioneer in this field. And she published the first cases back in 2010. So it was really their experience that I think helped motivate the research and the policy change in the U.S. Now that we're doing it here, we're facing some different challenges than than Dr. Mueller did, just because the HIV epidemic looks different in the countries. And of course, South Africa does a much smaller volume of transplants than the U.S. So I think we're facing new challenges, but we're absolutely standing on the shoulders of her as we push this forward in the U.S. And when we were talking earlier, you talked about drug resistance and different types or strains of of HIV. Can you delve into that a little bit about as far as the differences between the U.S. of A. and and South Africa? Yeah, so, I mean, just taking a step back, when you think about doing one of these HIV-positive to HIV-positive transplants, the transplant surgery itself is no different. That is not really what's the the novelty or or the um, particular concern. What we really think about is, will our recipient who's getting the transplant be okay being exposed to that donor's virus? You know, is there going to be a problem with matching the the donor and recipient's types of HIV? And so what really matters is whether the medications that the recipient is taking will work for the donor's virus. So in general, that's the biggest challenge. In South Africa, they have a slightly different what we call clade of HIV, Here in the U.S., we mainly have HIV subtype B, and in South Africa, they have subtype A and subtype C. The same medications work for subtype A, B, and C, so really what matters is drug resistance. And in South Africa, they have less drug resistance because they have less access to medications. Um, In the U.S., part of having access to many, many different HIV medications is that sometimes people will develop drug resistance if they can't take the medications the right way. So what I'm hearing is that the HIV virus has to match from the donor to the recipient. It can't just be, you know, anyone with HIV to anyone else with HIV. Is that right? Yeah, essentially that's how it goes. And and the big question is, does the donor have a drug-sensitive type of HIV, or might the donor have a drug-resistant type of HIV? And if it's a drug-resistant type of HIV, is it going to be controlled by the medicines that the recipient's taking? Because HIV immunocompromises the patient, and then, of course, with transplant medicine, the primary goal of the medication is to immunosuppress. So, How are these two intertwined when working with HIV medications? So that's a great question. This was really the primary question in the field a decade ago when we asked, can HIV-positive patients even get kidney and liver transplants? So talking about just using HIV-negative donors at that time. So since 2001, we have now accumulated a good amount of data that shows the answer to that question is absolutely yes. HIV-positive patients can get kidney transplants, liver transplants, and they do very well. They do not seem to have more 
immunocompromising infections, and this was actually a surprise. We thought, as you did, that perhaps they would be more susceptible to getting infections. In fact, what we found was they were a little bit more likely to get organ rejection, which was the exact opposite of what we expected. We have found some ways to get around that organ rejection. We think it's probably from drug interactions that we've learned about. But again, the answer to your basic question is, is transplant safe for HIV-positive individuals? Absolutely. And in fact, HIV-positive individuals are more likely to die on dialysis or die while waiting for a transplant. So I think their need is even greater. And we're only going to learn more. We talked about these recent transplants. So these folks agree to be followed for years to come so that we can learn more? Yeah, absolutely. These individuals have all joined research studies. As I mentioned, the the HOPE transplants only happen under research. And they're very brave individuals to kind of go where no one else has gone before. I think our results to date show that this is safe, it's working well, and we will continue to follow them quite carefully over several years before we sort of revisit this and see if it can be expanded beyond the research realm. Amazing. And if folks want to learn more about this, I know that we just Googled your name and we Googled the topic, but is there a place where you would send folks for more information? Yeah, absolutely. So if folks want to learn more about the Hope and Action study, they can go to transplantepi.org, and that is our research group's website. On the website, there'll be links to Hope, Hope in Action, or you can just Google it and you should be able to find us. You're also free to provide my contact information because we're open to questions, concerns. We want to hear from folks. That's great. Yeah, and we learned from you today. So that's transplant. I was writing this down, transplantepi.org. And to make it easier, why don't you contact us at info at lopa.org if you have any specific questions, then we can get those answers from Dr. Durand and pass it on to the Gifted Life crew. We have some more information that we're going to be sharing with all of you um, coming from Dr. Durand as well on the next episode of the Gifted Life. So we appreciate it, doctor. Thank you. Thanks. Pleasure to be with you. Okay, guys, we just heard all about the HOPE Act. How does it play out in the community? We have a Louisiana expert in the Gifted Life studio. Hey, Dorian. Hello, guys. Dorian Gray-Alexander, live with us here in the Gifted Life podcast studio, and we appreciate you guys. Dorian hosts a uh, popular radio show here in Louisiana, 102.3 FM. It's called Proof Positive. They talk music, New Orleans, and people living with HIV. So if you want to learn more, whivfm.org. That's whivfm.org. So when you hear HOPE Act, I know you've done your own research, but what does that mean to you? So it gives hope to folks like me who, who are living with HIV. You know, in the past, we could not donate organs. And so now it appears like we can. That's very important because, because as we, we age, some of the drugs that we take to keep us alive and also healthy really can create havoc on both our kidneys and also our liver. Mm-hmm. And you've been a donation advocate yes, I for have. a long time. Yes. Can, you, can you tell us why? Did you have a personal connection? Why is this important to Dorian? 
I mean, it just makes sense because, you know, because we have these organs and some of them can be shared while while you're alive. Mm-hmm. But, of course, I mean, if you are unfortunate enough to not survive trauma, but your body can still help help folks and also give that gift of, of life to someone, I think is great. Yeah. And so I'm out in the community and we always talk about getting folks to increase that donor registry by signing up. Yeah. And we always say, don't rule yourself out. It's so Absolutely important. Not. And now you can help us share that message, right? Yeah, I would love to. You know, it's important. So people living with HIV now, we we have skin in the game of both receiving organs, but also to donate them. Mm-hmm. So I encourage anyone who is living with HIV to, you know, as you say, don't rule yourself out mm-hmm. and also register and also to talk about that with with your, you know, loved loved ones about the fact that you want to donate parts of your body to perhaps save someone's life. Yeah, make life happen. That's what we talk about yeah. here on the podcast. When the Hope Act was passed in 2013, it was such a huge step forward for us in the organ recovery and organ donation world. Previously, we had multiple times where we would attempt to recover organs, and then we'd find out later that they were HIV positive. And it was a shame because clearly they could have been an organ donor just as easily as, as others. You know, of course, there was a stigma that dates back into the 80s and, and the early 90s. And now we all recognize, especially in the medical field, that it is just, it's simply another comorbidity. It's more along the, akin to the lines of diabetes and high blood pressure and things. And you can live for years and years. So for us, we, we're so excited with the passing of the HOPE Act. And we see that there are maybe 10 or 20 more people each year just in the state of Louisiana that can potentially wow. donate organs and save lives for others. And when you brought up the point about how you're living and you've got friends who are, are living for a long time, but the medicines are harsh. Right now, people are living... A, a very long life. Now we we are faced with not dying from from HIV, but dying from strokes and from right. kidney failure and from Hep C and from a whole host of other things. Right. Which you know, whenever those organs be become damaged, it is now possible with the right circumstances because because although the Hope Hope Act allows uh, people who have HIV to donate those, those organs. It also restricts the person who, who's going to receive those right. also is a person with HIV. Right. But whenever you are virally suppressed, you're in care, the chances of transmitting HIV becomes drastically re- reduced. Studies have shown that not so much around organ transplantation because we don't have the the, the science or the studies to back that up, mm-hmm. but we certainly see it in general HIV transmission. So as we learn more about these places that are doing these transplants be, between two people living with HIV, and also let's be clear that it's not that HIV organs are going to be transplanted into the general population. Mm -hmm. It is a very structured, approved study, research study being 
being done for for both people who have HIV and also whenever one has HIV and and may need a liver or else a kid kidney. A person also with with HIV can now donate that. And that's really exciting because we know that that sharing one, you know, kidney with someone, especially if you have two healthy ones, can change a person's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Opening up a whole new world. I always yes, say in the is. community, you never know what's going to happen you never tomorrow. Know, right? It's happening, Dorian. It is here. I it love it, it is here. And it and it's it has been years in in the creation of that. Mm-hmm. And there were some some ground concerns, mm-hmm. but also some that just didn't make sense. And now that we know that that the treatment is very effective, you know, the chance to change twenty to to uh, twenty five lives here mm-hmm. in our state right. is is really an amazing thing. Yeah, and I think change in itself makes folks nervous until of they course start it does. getting it right. Yeah, um, I mean, but but think of the possibilities. Yeah, just the possibilities. Latitis are great. Right. And Dorian, I'm wondering, you have this show, Proof Positive. Yes. And see why, because you're very knowledgeable. Good. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, many of our listeners may not be familiar with what your show is about. Would you Mm -hmm. please tell us a little bit more about this? So I have been been doing the show now for about two years. And it it started, you know, just being being asked whenever the station began, and that is WHIV 102.3 FM. They asked if I would do a show about living with HIV. And I'm like, so you want the stutterer to do a show about a talk show about living with HIV? And I thought, I said, sure, I'll do it. So, you know, and so I may have blocks. I, you know, I may speak in this very odd way. But it's important that 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 people with with HIV and also those who love them and, and are affected by this virus know that we we can live very long healthy lives and also in the spirit here in uh you know in new yeah. orleans yeah we we, we are about living we are about mm. eating too much we are about you know <laughs> amen i mean a little booze now and, yeah. and now and then so you a know little. and so uh we have a pretty rough lifestyle here yeah. rough, and, <laughs> rough and fun you know it's like fun yeah I mean, rough rough and fun. So when you add on to that drugs that can damage org- organs, along with our lifestyle, which is not always the most health- healthy, you know, you might end up with, with, with the need to have a new heart, a new mm-hmm. kidney, a new liver, who knows what mm-hmm. else, mm-hmm. you know? How oh, great for you for getting this word out to people that May not even had any idea that this was a possibility for yeah. them before. So that right. is, and also to great. thank y'all as, as well. It's very Im, Im, Im important that folks know that they can donate their mm-hmm. organs, even if they have HIV. And uh, you know, so you guys can tell 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 me and tell us about how that can be done and where folks can go. I mean, I know that on on our driver's license, we can check that box, and that's. Mm-hmm. That's a, a great place to start. Yeah. But it also involves, of course, talking to loved ones. So, That's important. so with yeah. that, they they know what your concerns are, um, and also can support you in in that decision to mm-hmm. donate a life saving organ. 
I think that's just a wonderful piece of information right there. Uh, Many years ago, I worked with an agency that provided case management services for folks with HIV. And that was way back in the day when many could not tell their families because of being ostracized or their friends because, you know, and their health was in in And just being afraid. That's Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. So this is just a great way to get the word out. I'm just so encouraged when I hear things like this. Thank you. And here in Louisiana, we get a little red heart on our license. If you visit the OMV, you said yes. If you're listening across the country or in the world, you can go to registerme.org, and then you can let us know that you want to be a a donor. But having those conversations with your family is of the utmost importance. I do want to go back a little bit and talk about history because we met you in a fun, unusual way. A fun way, way. a crazy Uh way in uh, new, new Orleans. That's I the way was, to do uh, it there, right? Yeah, That's the because, only uh, way to do it, I think. You know, so I am uh, a part of an, an all-male dance group called the 610 Stompers. Uh, you know, and so we are known pretty much across the country now. Yeah, professionals so, uh, from all walks of life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, doctors, policy wonks like me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, attorneys, uh, so on. So and so we're about 120 guys strong. Mm-hmm. We Love we the are, outfits, by the way. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, we are uh, guys, guys of mirth and girth. Let's, uh, okay. let's say. Uh-huh. you know, and so we bring joy and fun. Uh-huh. We're a um, a, a non profit that that helps to raise funds mm-hmm. for other non profits, and so I contact you guys and say, hey, we're, yeah. we're looking for a nonprofit that maybe we can donate money in your name came You're up. The That's right. Tell us more about what LOPA means. <laughs> and <laughs> right. and that's been party. great since then, yeah. yeah. Great partnership. You guys throw a great party. Yes, Obviously thank you. from New Orleans, you'd have to, of right? Of course. We love the short shorts and the mm-hmm. tight shirts and the costumes. And, oh, and yeah. You think you can show oh, us wait, a wait, couple wait, of movies? Oh. It is not a costume. <laughs> it's a uniform. It's a uniform. It is like the I seals and like the saints. We wear a uniform. It's not it. a costume. Now, to go to your party, I did wear a costume. Oh, correct. So correct. That, that was the fun part. But you think maybe you could show us some, some moves this podcast I would love, crew or how that works? I absolutely would love <laughs> We might share that on our social media, but we do thank you, Dorian, for teaming with us. Again, Proof Positive is his radio show, WHIV, that's FM, 102.3 FM, or WHIVFM.org, if you want to continue this conversation with Dorian. Or maybe you have questions, um, info at lopa.org. Send them here. We can put you in touch with Dorian or answer them on our podcast. But it's all about teamwork. It's all about education, and it's all about saving more lives. Here Thank you, on guys, the so, Life. so, Thank so you. much. As in every podcast, we like to honor a hero. Today, we'll be honoring Anthony Richard Eichmann. Yes, and we learn about Anthony through his family. They sent us this information, a life cut short but filled with Many adventures, tall tales, tragic endings, drama mamas, CD bars, loving people, and devoted animal companions. This was the life of Anthony Richard Eichmann, who became a hero on November 4th, 2016, after donating two kidneys and a liver to lucky people who will live a better life due to his offerings. They tell us Anthony was a gypsy, a wanderer, and a nomad. He grew up in Pennsylvania, He was lured to New Orleans, Louisiana to make a better life for himself. 
He made many colorful friends that became family. He loved animals and took in many strays. He enjoyed nature and the outdoors. Photography was another window to the world for him. He loved seeing and experiencing new and beautiful places. His loss is deeply felt, and the memories we all have made with him will live on and sustain us. You can read more about Anthony's story. You can see the pictures that his family has shared with us, and you can learn about other heroes on our website, and that's lopa.org. Visit our heroes page. And now we pause to say thank you to Anthony for the gift of life. on the podcast, we always talk about building our team. We want to get as many people involved with spreading donation facts, increasing that registry as possible. We were at a local event in Baton Rouge, me and Sal. Yeah. Jarius J.J. Robertson, who's in need of a liver transplant, was signing his LSU-themed football cards, and we happened upon a heavy hitter in the sports world. We just thought he was cute. Yes, uh-huh. that's yes. true. We but did. But Joey, you uh, may see, you know, beyond that, because he also played Football. Sports or something. Yeah, something big, right? So let me let me just tell you his name. Is, uh, let me look here. Corey Webster. Corey Webster. <laughs> look at the smile on his he, face like, these ladies. Yes. Oh, I don't know who that guy is. Well, as an LSU, avid LSU fan, of yeah. course, he is one of the guys that brought back the magic back in the early 2000s and got us our first national championship in my lifetime. And then he became a big-time NFL player. He played for the Giants for probably 8 to 10 years or so. And he was a Pro Bowl player. He was one of the elite defensive backs, even in the pros. That's what you and I were talking about at the event. Uh-huh. No, but we That's were kind of exactly dazed, Joey, because he about. smiled at us. And <laughs> he was that. just so handsome. He smelled nice. <laughs> And then he was talking about donations, so positive. Like, oh, absolutely. Just a good yes, guy. he was. So, yeah. But I didn't know. Like, that makes me like him. Yep. He's a sports guy. Yeah. <laughs> so let's listen in. He did a little something for us here on the podcast. Hi, my name is Corey Webster, two-time Super Bowl champ with the New York Giants, also one-time collegiate champ with the LSU Tigers. And I'm here supporting Oregon Donation, and you should, too. Be a gift. It takes life to save life. My guy, J.J., is out here waiting for a liver, so be a help. So we appreciate Corey taking the time out to do that. He also spoke at the event and just pushed that folks learn about donation and that uh, we increase that registry and hopefully we can save lives, lives like JJ. That's his new buddy. But just a a really neat guy. He wasn't about his superstar status. He was just there to help in any way that he could, and we like that. And so he's part of our team now. We claim him. Mm -hmm. That football guy. We were tossing around the football, Joey. Like, (laughs) gave him some tips and stuff. Uh, I'm sure you did. Yeah, so hopefully he'll come around again, and we hope that you two are part of our team. (laughs) Info at lopa.org. If you have any questions, or 504-648-3477. We want to hear from you as well, and hopefully use your audio on the podcast because you make the difference. Another episode of The Gifted Life in the books, guys. Yes, it is. We certainly want to applaud and thank Dr. Christine Duran for her work on the HOPE Act and the implementation of the project. The future. Uh, Yeah, and being able to potentially transplant so many more patients and recipients, Mm -hmm. you know, through the HOPE Act. Incredible. One person making a difference. It is. I love it. And it was great to have Dorian Gray Alexander on. 
He's such a positive advocate, a great personality. Uh, he was yeah. fun. He, yeah. he showed us how to dance, some dance yep. moves. He did. Will That's you see right. it? I don't know. We have to check out the video. <laughs> we felt like we looked cute doing yeah. it. Yeah. I, don't I think know. I'm an audition. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he was patient with us. But, right. you know, that was one good thing. And then he talked about his show that he does, yeah. uh, Proof Positive. Very nice to have him on, and we enjoyed him and his teaching. Yeah, so another partner in the community here in Louisiana. And listen, save the date, April 21st. We're going to tell Dorian about it, Blue and Green Day. This is when we let everybody know about organ, eye, and tissue donation. So from blue and green hair to our outfits, Sally does her toes. You doing your toes? I, I do am. my toes. Okay. So I am. You do your toes. Yeah. We don't want to see that. We want to see Sally's toes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some people get bow ties for their dogs. Some people paint signs. Some people plant flowers in blue and green colors. Anything we like creativity, but it's April twenty first. That's when we want to see those pictures on social media. We want you to share them with us. So donate life Louisiana at donate life LA. That's Twitter and Instagram. I mean, we want to see all of this, and we want it to start spurring healthy conversations about donation in the community. Anybody can do this. Easy project, right? You can start yeah. working on it today. But get involved. Go out and do something today. This could be it that you don't normally do to help us. Make life happen. This is a production of the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Sally Gentry. Our producers are Kirsten Hines and Shalon Caraway. We are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Metairie, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. 